That was Jason. And I'm Gary. <laughs> <laughs> totally confused Saturday. We're the Portland Tim Beers. We talk a little bit about soccer, beer, and pretty much uh, whatever else comes to mind. Yeah, which is quite a bit. Yeah, well, it's been kind of a jacked up day as far as my <laughs> brew world. So we figured stop brewing and let's uh, do a podcast. A day in the brewing cycle life of Jason Rogers. Yeah, I should have just stayed in bed. That's what I've decided. <laughs> this beer better turn out, damn it. Uh, that's that. That's been my experience in the past. You have a really freaky day where everything blows up, nothing goes right, and the beer just seems to magically turn out wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's definitely thick and dark, just like I like them. Oh yeah, it was it was motor oil. <laughs> There's no question about it. Do you like thick and dark? No, I'm not even going there. <laughs> Notice I glass set over and just kept going. <laughs> You're drinking uh, something thick and dark. Yes. For whom? By Campanology. Yeah, it's a uh, interesting beer. Very yeah. interesting. Imperial Mexican Stout, Ancho Chilies, Cocoa Nibs, and Cinnamon. 10% alcohol. And, um, yeah, it's a interesting beer. Not a lot of chilies in it that I taste. Yeah. If you swallow it wrong. Yeah, if you swallow wrong, you definitely... (laughs) Not even going there with you. (laughs) We know where you're going with that. I didn't do anything. You were going. Did you not say I swallowed wrong and I taste chilies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Thick and dark? Yeah, (laughs) there it goes. There it goes, folks. Um, I have a feeling, though, if this beer warms up, you'll taste those chilies. I bet you will. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Okay. Uh, well, that's an interesting beer. It's like it's sweeter, so there's a bunch of residual sugars left in this thing. There is, yeah, yeah. And it's at ten, so. So I can't imagine what it would have been if they would have uh, made sure all that sh- that either the sugar fermented or it, it it makes you wonder is the sugar that's in there that we're tasting a non-fermentable side. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, I think I would do this again. And it was yeah, fairly it's a, cheap. It's a it was like decent beer. six, decent seven beer. bucks over at Trader Joe's. Wow. So, anyways, so uh, let's see. Let's see. Rewind. Rewind. Over to Real Salt Lake versus Portland. So, great game. Uh, fantastic game. We win. Boy, did we. Some uh, decent goals. Yeah, some decent play, too, which was uh, good to see. Yeah, so uh, Ridge, Ridgewell plays on the back line with Larry's. Had uh, Zarek, and who else was on that back side? Um, uh, it's been, been a week. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, Zarek, and uh, I'm spaced, damn it. Anyways, it's so been the, a, it's been one of those days. Yeah, the defense looked fantastic, and midfield looked good. We played in that four-two-three-one again. Yeah, and um, what I've really noticed is, as the wingers bomb, um, the team defense between the midfield and the defenders is fantastic. There's a lot of overlap and communication going on. Yep. So I mean, it looks pretty good. So good transitions happening, everything. So the so, question at hand, up. yeah. So the question at hand is: Is Real Salt Lake garbage, and, or are we good, or is the balance of both? I think it's a combination of the two, uh, especially from what we saw when we went to Real Salt Lake and beat them pretty handily there too. 
Um, so I just think we we hit them at the right time. They just weren't playing as great that great in those last two games. We were starting to step it up. It'll be interesting to see what we do against Vancouver. I think that'll be more of a test of, of what that team can do. Well, let's talk a little bit about Vancouver. So they are not going to make the playoffs. Nope. Um, so they really have nothing to play for other than just being kind of an upsetter. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then some of those guys are looking at playing for their jobs because obviously there's going to be a coach. There's already a coaching change, but I'm guessing there'll be another one. Right. And then I bet they jettison a bunch of players. So, Yeah, and, and like they did to us last year. I mean, they, they eliminated us last year. Yeah. Now, granted, they can't do that this year, but they can really mess up the seating by beating us. Yeah, totally could mess up the seating. So right now it looks like before decision day, um, we have the potential to play Seattle. Um, that will all change tomorrow because decision day is tomorrow and a lot of stuff's going to happen. Right. Um, I think everybody wants us to play Seattle in a knockout game. That, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, ultimately, you're going to get – you're either going to get knocked out or you're going to knock Seattle out and they can't continue, which is a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I think that um, – and – well, so let's just do what Joe does and focus on tomorrow. <laughs> so, so I am not sure what he does tomorrow, right? So we've made the playoffs. So do you rest everybody and just say, hey, look, let's give some of the uh, other guys some cha- a chance, right? Because you made the playoffs. Yeah. And so the question is, do you want to play? So you know that one and two, so Kansas City and uh, Dallas are going to be sitting. Yep. Right, so then we play three, four, five, six. All play in this knockout round. Yep, and three plays. It's not the way that you think either. It's like three plays four and like five plays six or some BS. Really? Yeah. It was not. It was like not. God, it used to be three versus five and yes. four versus six. Yes. So what the hell changed? Yeah, some sort of weird wonky knockout oh, thing. Oh so. Jesus! So. So a lot could change tomorrow based upon this Vancouver game. Yeah, it definitely could. So Very do you good. go in with a lineup to try to get as high as you can? Because if you win and a bunch of other crap happens, we could take third. Yeah, and ultimately get a home game out of something, right? Right. So, and the home teams won, what, 15 games of, I mean, 15, 15 to games. 2, I think yeah, you I think were saying, was the statistic. And it, that's, that's a pretty telling statistic. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Again, nobody can know what Gio's going to do because Gio's going to do what he wants to do. Right. Um, I think there was an an article that was put out sometime midweek that talked about what did we learn from, like, our first loss when we had all these huge compressed games, back-to-back-to-back kind of stuff going on. Right. And, And how does that apply to what we're about to walk into now and they tried to apply that logic that we, we could have learned a lot from that and applied it to what is about to happen. Right. Eh, I don't know if I agree with that so much. Um, I think they're putting too much into that. Uh, we've always had some late form or late form runs at the end, but we there's been times we've just ended in utter disappointment, even after having great runs towards the end of the season. Right. So, yeah, there's no guarantees here. No, no guarantees at all. And 
So we're, we're going to have to see how this goes, and do we catch fire? Everybody's thinking of 2015. Right. Um, I don't think it's that year. Again, we said at the beginning that we're lucky if we make the playoffs. Right. right? <laughs> yep. So I think we're playing on house money at this point. So sure. Just, yeah. I think next year looks like a little bit better if we can get some of Geo's guys in. It's another year of his offense. Right. Um, so Continue I mean, to build on what they've already done. So we'll see. Um but Atlanta is playing out of their freaking mind, <laughs> sets the points record, and New York's right on their ass, set yes. the points record too, but Atlanta's ahead of them. Yeah. So that battle's going to be unbelievable between yes, those two. Um, if they make it out, right? Because Atlanta got knocked out last year. So that's one of those things that, um, again, you got to play the matches and... You can totally get eliminated. Um, oh, yeah. So. You, you could be the best team in the league and not make it out of the second round, in this case, for those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those guys play up against each other. And then over on our side, LAFC is playing out of their mind right now. Right. Um, and then Seattle looks decent. They're playing really good soccer right now. Yeah, and, and those guys just never cease to amaze me as far as making the playoffs. Right. I mean, it's disgusting it's how many the times they half make thing. it, right? Right. What, 10 times? I think they said Yeah, they... it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they make some big trades at ha- at the halfway through the season about MLS All-Star game. And it boosts them up. And it boosts them up. So yep. they play like shit the first six months, or three months, rather. And then the second three months, they dominate. So. And it, but, but the weird thing is, they get it figured out. Right. In that second half of the season, every single year, right? Especially while making like big wholesale changes to your team. Yeah, but I mean, it's crazy. They've got some shit coming up, like because Marshall's taking off here in a couple of years. Yeah. Ozzy's getting a little uh, long in the tooth. Getting a little long in the tooth. They yeah, just so. had Dempsey's retired. Yeah. So thank God, <laughs> fucking asshole. Deuce, so. deuce, deuce. I'll never forget when we start, did that shipadoose.com. <laughs> I wish that would have worked better. It's a little known that. story we should actually talk about <laughs> So at another time. <laughs> so, anyhow, well, it'll be an interesting little deal. So, uh, decision day is tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. All teams play at 1.30. Um, it's kind of anticlimactic this year because a bunch of the top seeds are already figured out. Yeah. Last year, where there was like... 10 spots that needed to be figured out on decision day. So yeah, it was kind of cool. So it was much more interesting that that last year. But it'll be interesting this year, right? Because it's all seeding and who you're playing sure. next. So yeah. whatever. Um, what else you got, buddy? So talked about some beer. I had a hell of a brew day today. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I uh, decided to, I did some research this week and looking, how do you brew Abyss? I wanted to do an Imperial Stout. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why not just do Abyss if there's a recipe out there? Now, now I want to clarify things for everybody out there. Um, Jason isn't just doing an Imperial Stout or, you know, an Abyss clone. Jason's doing an Abyss, a bit, you know, replica. Abyss replica on a five-gallon system. Uh, for for the brewers that are out there, are gonna know what kind of challenge that does raise, because the amount of the grain bill that you have to have for that high a gravity of beer is disgustingly high, and then you got to find room for your water, um, and to do that in a five gallon batch, 
in, in just one sitting without doing multiple batches and then putting it all together is really, really tough. Yeah, it's an interesting deal. So there was 20 pounds of grain for this Abyss clone, and um, and it was a mixture of like some domestic grain with a lot of specialty grain, and I have a 9.2-gallon uh, mash tun, <laughs> and the 20 pounds of grain that was in the, that thing plus the water was like damn near to the brim. I think at about an inch of headspace. Yeah, that thing was at capacity yeah, without so- a doubt. So it was nice because the little port that's at the top for recirc um, wasn't covered, so I could still get the hose in and get a decent, uh, maybe decent, yeah, sparge. Yeah. So, um, but we'll see. I mean, the liquid that came out was definitely sugary goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Motor oil was sugar and and super glue in nature. Yes, so, very yeah. sticky. <laughs> So had a little uh, issue. Uh, Gary hadn't made it over yet, and <laughs> so I was trying to convert and do a little bit of sparge. Um, and so I ran my piping in, and I've got a little uh, fly sparge deal, and took the lid off and, just so I could watch flow with turning the pump on, <laughs> and it shot all over the garage. Like I literally had 150, 160 degree black motor oil that's sticky as hell i guess that would be tar right yeah pretty much shooting over the tesla shooting in the garage shooting everywhere on you and i was trying to crawl under the table a to protect myself but b to turn (laughs) off the pump the pump yeah and i couldn't because there was boiling liquid being sprayed everywhere So finally, it was just like one, two, three, jump in and got it done. Yikes. So ridiculous thing is shut the valve down to half, took the lid off a little bit, cracked the lid, <laughs> learning my lesson so it didn't shoot all over, <laughs> and it blew the freaking lid off when I turned the pump back on, oh and it did God. it again. So, <laughs> You know, the only thing I can think is like a regular beer with the sparge. You drop because I've got more headspace, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't have that convenience. No, thing. I didn't have any room. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, well. So, yeah, I had black tar liquid throughout the garage. And and then it just kind of spiraled downhill from there. And I had hot break city. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. Blowing shit all over the place. It was everywhere. Uh, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, burnt black tar on the side of all my brew kettles. Yes. And... Yeah. Adventures in brewing with Jason. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully this <laughs> beer turns out. So if it does, well, so the cool thing is I'm with, this, it will. with this recipe, I found some Jack Daniels oak chips. So, um, so they take oak barrels that they age Jack Daniels in. Yeah. And when the barrels are like past their prime, they grind these things up. And then they sell them for, like, people that uh, have Traegers and stuff like that to smoke yeah, uh, stuff. Yeah, So I bought a package of these Jack Daniel casked uh, oak chips. So we dropped those in. And then I needed cherry extract, so, like, cherry wood extract. Yeah. So I cherry did some research. Cherry bark extract or something? Yeah, it was like cherry that? wood yeah. slash bark. So I uh, grabbed some cherry chips and did that. So we'll see how that turns out. 
And then there's vanilla bean in this thing. And oh, boy. And then what else was the other? Oh, black licorice. Black licorice, yeah. yeah. And then black strap molasses. <laughs> and shit ton of black strap molasses, yeah. A ton of that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out, because that was the only artificial sugar that was thrown in was that black yeah. strap. So. Yeah. But that'll give it that real thick, black, like, tarry-type taste. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. The total abyss black beer. Well, you know what? Super dark. <laughs> it's gonna be good. I could have. I have a feeling. So yeah, we'll see. So it's down in the fermenter. It's uh, cooling as we speak. Yep. Um, because it's thick and black. You like that? It holds thick a lot of heat, baby. And black. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, what'd you think of the creamy head on it? It, it was interesting. It was. It was um, like whipped cream. So the funny thing was, is is I've done a few dark beers, and usually when you get the foam on those, it's a lighter color. This is one of the few beers I've ever seen that the, the foam itself <laughs> was actually black. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how dark this beer is. Well, we're going to have to see, again... Nothing was burned. Nothing was charred. On no, the bottom, nothing. So, yeah, nothing was, was burned at all. So it wasn't like it was you were burning anything to get that color. It yeah. was just the ingredients in that beer make it super, super, super dark. Yep. Well, so then you brought a beer over. You brought your Oktoberfest beer. What do you want to tell us about that bad boy? Well, that's uh, that. That was a fiasco in the making. Uh, all that, the way through to delivery, dude. All the way through to delivery. It didn't even make delivery. That's the bad thing. Um, for for the listeners that have been listening, I started that beer uh, for the Oktoberfest party that was supposed to be on October 19th. Uh, then I had a heart attack and threw that all out of whack. And then I had electronic temperature control issues that kept saying the beer was actually hotter than it was and turning the chiller up to, you know, dropping the beer temperatures down into the mid-40s. Um, and that happened a couple of different times. And then I was supposed to be over at Jason's on October 19th for Oktoberfest. I was all ready for that. The day of the party, I end up in the ER again. Uh, long story short, they didn't find anything heart-related, thank God. Uh, but we think it was a med issue. We think we might have that figured out. So my beer did not get delivered to the Oktoberfest. Uh, it did, however, go to the guys that play soccer on the following Wednesday. Uh, I delivered 12 bottles to those guys. They loved it. Um, and I brought a couple bottles over today uh, to share with Jason. And lo and behold, um, I think we tested one of those a couple weeks on on the podcast. And it was a little flat. Yep. It actually had carbonation now. So something went right with those additional weeks of cold conditioning to actually give the carbonation. It turned out pretty good. Yeah, it was a good beer. So it was, uh, again, interesting to contrast that with the keg, the not-so-lasting, long-lasting yeah, keg. three hours worth of keg. Gone. Um, Gone. But, I mean, definitely you could tell the differences between the two. One was cleaner. Um, Gary's was a little bit cleaner. Um, but same ingredients. The only thing different was the yeast. So. Yeah, and it, it is so interesting to be able to look at those side-by-side side like we've done. Um, and the only difference was yeast strain and how, I would almost say drastic, the, the taste differences mm-hmm. on that. 
Um, it's two totally different beers, yet the only difference on it was the yeast strain. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, well, so <laughs> beer is fantastic. I love beer. Don't beer, you love beer? Oh, I love beer. Yeah. The beauty great. of it is, is on the the, uh, the the food plan that I'm on. Yeah. I'm actually a little short on calories each week. So you need beer. Beer. That yeah. adds to those calories perfectly. Beer, 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 diddle a beer, 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 beer. beer. <laughs> yes. Love that song. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, speaking on that, I think there's going to be a beer shortage in a few years. You know, you could be right. I um, saw an article, and I tried to get the author of the article. Yeah, on the ingredients, right? Yeah, barley. Yes. I guess barley, which is one of the major ingredients of beer. Key ingredient. Yeah is going to be short because of global warming. Yeah. So they're talking about mass hysteria. People like riding the streets because they can't get beer. Now, what they're really talking about is that beer prices are going to go through the roof and it becomes a luxury item because the price of beer is going to be up high. Because of the ingredients. Because of the ingredients, right. So guys like you, me, and these homebrewers are, you know, we're going to be sitting on gold. Well, we could be. We're making five-gallon batches, right? So we'll probably pay a premium because the... True. So we'll see. Or does that make us bump it to the next level and brew more beer? I think, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm happy with doing what I'm doing. I think we've talked about this in the past. I think the only thing I really, really want to do is take a keg and sell a keg or two to some of these growler shops. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But like today, today was a shitty, shitty day brewing. Like shitty. Oh, yeah. Like everything that could go wrong has yeah. gone wrong yeah. short of my Equipment cooling failures, unit like right? catching on fire right now. Knock on wood. Yep. So... And so I like I don't want to like depend depend on my livelihood and have For shitty that, days brewing right? like that. Yeah, right? yeah, I totally agree. Um, not to mention doing it at, at like the five gallons. I think we could probably bump it up to a ten gallon oh, batch totally. and be fine. Um, but keeping it small like that is so flexible. Right. If you want to brew a certain type of beer, you just go brew it. You don't have to wait for capacity to free up. You don't have to wait for any of this other stuff, right? You right. just you just go experiment. Yeah, the kegging of the beer for me was like a drastic thing, right? So yeah, now we have these huge. Well, we have parties and <laughs> they drain the kegs. In Those kegs go so damn quick; it's ridiculous. But there's satisfaction watching people go tap after tap after tap after tap on these things. Yeah. And and enjoying the beer and like good comments about the beer. And I just I mean there's one side of it'd be cool to make some money on it, but the other side of it is it's so satisfying to just see the beer and people happy about the beer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Right. Um and the other the other point to that is when you step into the money realm. Right. There is so much more involved, right? And it's pressure, right? Well, you got the pressure, you have the licensing, you have all this extra stuff now that you have to do to be able to sell the beer, which which you don't have when you're not selling it. When you're just giving it away, eh, you do what you want. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things, but on that note, um, a pretty distinguished brewery is closing down in the city of Portland. Alameda Brew House, which was one of the early brewers, is shutting down at the end of the month. So, 
then you got to take a look at uh, what's the auction stuff going to happen. Well, that's one sign, you parasitic bastard. But, well, you know me. <laughs> yeah. The the other side is they're closing because again the Portland brew scene is saturated. Saturated. So right. let's take that let's take that to the next level. Let's say what happens with uh, barley happens. What does that do to the beer scene? Well, I think that's going to freeze it up, right? So most of the barley that's used is by used by the big ones. Yeah. So InBev, Budweiser, Slash, yep. those guys. So, so, yeah, I mean, I think the little guys are going to have a hard time with that because... There's going to be a squeeze out, I think. Well, I... I think you'll see some of these guys that are just... They're either breaking even, barely, or they're operating at a slight loss... Right. Go out of business. Yeah. Well, I mean, so these guys closed November 3rd. I just pulled it up. And they've been open as a brewery, like a brew pub, since 1996, they say. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time, man. And it was them, Lucky Lab, and Raccoon Lodge, which is over off of Beaverton Hillsdale. That's uh, Arts um, yeah. deal that's Arts associated with Cascade. And yeah, now Alameda's closing down. So, and I would even say Raccoon Lodge. Half the time when I walk in there, it's crickets. Yeah, there's right? not many people in there. So I think I think it's got to be more than beer. You've got to have some sort of some sort of feng shui, something to draw people in as well. Um, but I well, mean, let, I've been let's, to Alameda. Let's call it a destination brewery. Well, it's got to be something, yeah. That people it's almost come what it's got to be, right? right? And you constantly have to kind of reinvent yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these guys. This is a big one that's going down. So. Well, and I think I think we've addressed this in podcasts um, a while back, like six months ago or more. That if you want to stay in business, and this this kind of pertains to any business, not just brewing, mm-hmm. you have to stay relevant. And staying relevant is tough in the beer industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that, again, Alameda's been around since 96. Their Black Bear Double X Stout is like the thing they're known for. Yeah. Um, I like because they're classy. It's a classy logo. They didn't overdo it. Um, but I've been there once or twice to their brew house. Yeah. Um, and so I was talking with Debbie a little bit about this. I'm like, I think downtown Portland is oversaturated. And I don't know what the number would be as far as a perfect place. But where I think there needs to be more neighborhood breweries, places like Alameda, yeah. is out on the west side and the east side, right? Yep. So I think it comes out of the core. And I think if you were to shift Alameda out to Beaverton, Tigard, places like that, in a place that doesn't have a brew pub, yeah, they would have been better. They would have. They're going to do good. Yeah, right. Because McMenamin's does that. That's the neighborhood oh, sure. brewery for those yeah. places. So yeah. I think places like this would do well there instead of just shutting down. But then the cost of operations and moving your operation is huge. Yeah, that's right? that's huge. And then the other thing is everybody wants to bottle. Everybody wants to distribute. And is there something to be said about just having a neighborhood tap room? I think that that is the key. Um, there's, I've been reading about some some places that have done really, really well in Canada recently uh, that did specifically that. They were 
neighborhood brewers. Um, they opened up a little a little brewery. Um, they made it kind of a destination neighborhood brewery slash pub house thing where you come to hang out. You know, beer was more like the side thing. Beer was beer's what made it all happen. But people came there to play board games or do whatever and just hang out and and talk to their neighbors. Right. Um, And I think there's something to that if if you can get that going. That synergy in your neighborhood would keep your brewery going, I think. Big time. And so on that note, Ex Novo Brewing, which is downtown, is opening a place in downtown Beaverton. Over by the library and in that area. Yeah, okay. And so they're moving yeah. west, and they're kind of known for their pizza and, and some of their funky beers and all that stuff. So, but very, very soon, turn of the year, they're going to have a brewery or brew pub out in the suburbs. Right. So, again, I think that model makes sense versus just shutting down, and you don't necessarily need to chase distribution. You don't need to chase selling yeah. your beer to the mass market. Why not just open a cool place and pump as many liters out that you can and even sell bottles out of your place, right? Yeah, well, and I think that's the key. You can sell bottles out of your place. Don't worry about distribution. Right. Sell to your local area. And and like you and I were talking, you know, why be huge? Right. Why not just be somewhat big, sell all your beer in-house, maybe bottle some to, to you know let them take it home but then everything is is a local area you always kind of have your finger on the pulse of what the hell's going on and if you're small enough you're flexible enough to be able to change your beer styles to meet what the growing demand might be yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with these guys so Old Town Beaverton, they're going to have Detroit Pizza Slinging Brew Pub by Ex Novo. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, again, they're going for a funky shtick, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. So, and I guess they're opening one in New Mexico at the same point. That's a big jump. So, anyways, kind of cool. Kind of sad with Alameda. Yeah. Interesting to watch. I I think back, because in the 90s, I had talked about opening a brew pub. Yep. Down on Fano Creek in Old Tigered Main Street. And I wanted to have a pizza place, like an old-fashioned video game parlor and pizza and serve my beer. Yeah. And then Max's Fano Creek opened up a couple of years later, and I was like, oh, boom. Stole your idea. And they were fantastic. Max's yeah. was is beautiful in many ways. I think it's not evolved, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't think they've stayed relevant. Right. So they've done some stuff with their patio and some stuff like that, but um, again, they're not making world famous beers or not. They just churn their same old shit out every time. Right. Yeah. So, and they used to host that, uh, what was it, the Nano Festival there? Yeah, they used to hold the Nano Fest there. Which would draw people in and got you to be a little bit different. Yeah. So. So I think if you come out to the suburbs, you've got to be the neighborhood bar, like in the middle of a neighborhood type thing. Yeah. Or be a destination place that people want to go to if it's slightly outside of the neighborhoods. Right. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Ex Novo does here. But sad to see Alameda close down and see what happens there. So Definitely. I was watching or listening to a uh, podcast, and it was, uh, I think, the Cascadia Beer Podcast. 
and he was talking to one of the economics guys from the American Homebrew Association saying that Oregon is seeing a slowdown in brewery openings. And it's the first time that they've actually seen that for the state of Oregon. And that instead of it being like a three-to-one ratio of three breweries opening and one closing, yeah, it's more like a two breweries are closing and one's opening in the state of Oregon. And to me, that's not surprising. Right. Um, I don't think it's surprising to you either because you're going to hit a saturation point. Right. And I think we're there and actually past that saturation totally. point. Um, and then if you get an economic downturn irrelevant of a beer downturn uh that's going to have a huge impact as well right yeah it's just one of those things that again it'll be interesting to see especially when we started this thing we talked about the barley prices increasing (laughs) and all that type of stuff and i mean going back to that thing they're talking about barley yields uh are expected to drop by between three and 17 percent so so what does that do to a small brewery like Maxos Fanuc Creek? Yeah, I mean, or, that, that could really spike your your fixed costs big time. Yeah, so my beer, my instead of a $5 pint, it goes up to, let's say, 7 or 8 bucks. Yeah. Are people willing to do that night after night or sit and have two or three pints? The only way that happens is if your beer is stellar. Right, or the setting is so fantastic right. that people just stick around because they want to be in the setting. Exactly. Right? Um, but I can tell you, I'm not going to go to Providence Park and buy a... I mean, I'm already buying a $9 beer. Yeah, you're not going to go imagine buy a $15 what dollar beer. No, bullshit. I'll, no way in hell. Yeah, so... I'll, I'll especially drink if, before I go in, I'll drink water while I'm there, yeah, and I'll drink when I leave. A $15 mediocre beer at best. It, so, right, exactly. So it makes you kind of re-examine... Again, good quality beer versus just just drinking to have a beer, right? Right. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, anyways, some interesting stuff there happening uh, locally and again across the world as it relates to beer. Yeah. Um, you and I visited our local beer hangout, Pacific Growlers, and we talk about them often. Yeah, uh, fun little place. Yeah, Joe and Jay owners. Um, they hosted a kind of a cool event. They brought in a whole bunch of pumpkins, and it was sponsored by Rogue. And Rogue had, I believe, their pumpkin patch ale. Yep. Their, uh, I think it's essentially it was their Rogue, uh, Rogue Dead Guy ale. I think it's Dead in Dead is what it was called. Yeah, Dead in Dead. Um, and it was a dead guy that was put into a bourbon barrel cask. Of of And the bourbon barrel cask they used was from their own whiskey. Yeah, so yeah, pretty so. cool. And then what else did they have? Oh, they had the Combat the Wombat. It's not called that, but it's Combat Wombat or Wombat Combat. or. I think it was Combat the Wombat. Every time I say it, I'm like, that's not it. I think that's it. <laughs> so when we uh, reviewed that a few months ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting beer. Yeah, super sour, funky, but whatever. So, in any case, we shoot uh, Rogue uh, quite a bit of crap about being a marketing company and not a beer company. <laughs> <laughs> they own that. <laughs> so, And we just happened to talk to... Yeah, we talked to Tyler. I believe his name is Tyler. Their marketing guy. And uh, he's the kind of the West... West side of Portland beer guy. Yeah. And he was kind enough because he was there doing the event at Pacific Growlers to spend a few minutes with us. So let's take a listen to Tyler. Yes. 
Hi, Jason and Gary here, live from what Pacific Growlers, and uh, we are here for the Rogue Pumpkin Carving Night, which is a, uh, a collaboration with Rogue and Pacific Growlers. So, I am here with uh, one of the gentlemen from Rogue. I'll let him introduce himself, and then we'll talk a little bit about the beers you guys brought, um, and a little bit about uh, what's upcoming maybe for Rogue uh, in the next few months. So. So I'm uh, Tyson, uh, Westside Salesman for Rogue. Awesome. So uh, what beers did you bring tonight? So what are we tasting? So I've had three beers from Rogue tonight, and if you get a beer, then you get a pumpkin, and you start carving the pumpkin. So but what did you bring? Uh, so we brought the pumpkin patch ale, obviously. It was a fitting one to bring. Yeah. Uh, 6.1 on the ABV, and we actually grow all the pumpkins ourselves on our farm in Independence. Uh, pick them, roast them, do all that good stuff to them. Uh, easy on the spice on that one. Uh, great pumpkin ale. Yeah, it's a very squashy taste, not a lot of spice within it, so you can actually taste the pumpkin within it. We had another pu- pumpkin ale a little while back. It might have been one of the rogue pumpkin ales. It might have been. Yeah, but again, heavy on the squash, not a lot of spice like you get out of a lot of melts. So what else do you bring? You brought this dead guy thing. What is this? So uh, Dead and Dead, it's a uh, it's our dead guy ale aged in dead guy whiskey barrels. So we also do a couple whiskeys. Um, 8.8% this year because it's different every year. Uh, very vanilla and oak forward. Uh, not too heavy on the body, but very, very tasty. Anything special with the barrels that you guys did? I mean, uh, we actually make our own cooperage, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I believe it's Oregon white oak, uh, Quercus Gariana is the uh, scientific name for it, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> big time, man. Absolutely, yeah, but yeah, we cut the staves ourselves, hoop them, charm up, everything, uh, making our own cooperage now for the last couple of years. So awesome. yeah, if you guys are ever near the brewery, I definitely recommend checking out the brewery and uh, getting a tour of the distillery. Yeah, absolutely. So and then the third beer you brought, uh, which I think we did on the podcast probably about a month ago. Oh, nice. Combat cool. the Wombat. So, yeah. uh, so Combat Wombat's uh, it's a sour, hazy IPA, so kind of a mix of the two styles. Uh, 7.2 on the ABV, but it's got blood orange and grapefruit in it. Uh, very citrusy. I get a lot of grapefruit on it. A um, little bit of blood orange, but the grapefruit is very present on that. Yeah, yeah. funky, funky, funky taste to it. Bottle's even funkier, absolutely, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. In the bottle, but yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So, and then what do you guys got upcoming that's coming out for the holiday stuff? So, you guys always do something funky for a lot of the holidays. So, yes. we'll have the Santa Ale out in December again. Okay. Uh, another Belgian style uh, ale, usually brewed with uh, some sort of fruit. Um, we'll have a new IPA, West Coast IPA, called Out of Line IPA, which is one of my favorites we've done in a long time. Uh, bringing back the yellow snow and Pilsner form again yeah. this year, which was, again, one of my favorites also. Absolutely. Uh, Hazel Chalk Tabulous will be out in November, okay. which is the pub mix, as you yeah, know, the absolutely. Snickers. Um, a brand new fruit beer called Countercurrent. Oh. Uh, so it's a uh, tart, not not too sweet, tart. With the currants. Tart, but, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, almost black, like a purplish black color. Awesome. Beautiful color. Um, and then January, we'll have uh, Straight Out of Newport back again, okay. which was an awesome double IPA we did last year for the first time. That did really, really well. Yeah, I love the mix of the hazelnut and the chocolate. So yeah. when you go to the pub in Newport and you get the mix, and it's, it's badass, man. That's a good beer. And then uh, when does double chocolate come out? So my wife that's sitting back there, she loves the double chocolate yeah. so big red bottle that we see about valentine's day exactly i want to say probably middle january you'll start seeing that out good. yeah good yeah. awesome anything else going on with the brewery not that i know of uh no no like crazy mustache beers or no no no, no. More beer beers uh, i think we're kind of getting away from that stuff yeah okay. but, uh, yeah just got some new beers coming out very soon so look out for those new beers and yeah Definitely, cool. definitely moving on up. So awesome! Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Awesome event here at Pacific Growler. So we've got a pumpkin we're carving out, and uh, Gary and I will talk to you guys Sunday. 
All right. Well, that was Tyson. Tyson. So apologies to Tyson for calling you Tyler earlier. Well, Tyson, Tyler. <laughs> Is it really important? He, he's the guy that, like, slings the beer. That's kind of important. That's way important. you got to have good okay. beer slinger guy. got to have a slinger. I mean, he's a marketing guy, not a beer guy. <laughs> there were kidding, kidding. Go back and listen to the podcast. You'll know why we said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love Rogue beers. I've always loved Rogue's beers. We give him a hard time on the podcast because, again, because he loves you. Because we love you, but yeah, it's. Um, I'm not such a fan of the Combat Wombat or Combat the Wombat, but. It's, uh, I love their double chocolate stout. I yeah. love it. I should actually try to make that next time. You love it like Valentine's You actually need to make it. the double chocolate stout. Yeah, it's probably what I'll try. That or the cocoa cow that you did last time. Yeah, I've got that recipe, so I can, I can sling that thing again. Yeah, but bigger, right? Because last time you did that was on the Mr. Beers, right? Yes, I believe it was. So I think I, think I have got that one converted over to all green in in the uh, software so i'll have to cool. take a look but yeah i think i've got that one so on that note so oktoberfest a couple days after our oktoberfest that we had yeah um i was told that john Lindquist wants to start brewing interesting so if <laughs> if Johnny wants to start brewing, we need to get him a kit. Uh, yes. So I am eyeballing kits because okay. we need to get that going before that fades. Yes. And he wants to do a big strong IPA. Okay. And 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 on that note, we might as well just go all in and get Andrew a kit while we're at it. Like a sour kit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm eyeballing the Goodwill because every once in a while you'll find those Mr. Beers at Goodwill. Yeah. And they're like missing the can of crap or something like that. Sure. Well, the good news is Andrew's got two of those two and a half gallon guys. He does, but he's missing the bottles, right? I got those. You got the bottles? I got the bottles. Oh, there you go. So we, we're get, we got Andrew go. fixed. Andrew, so, Andrew's done. So I said we buy John just one of the IPA kits. Okay. And and yeah, just so we'll eyeball the goodwill. I need to like look at that again. Yeah. And let's get those two guys going. Get those guys going. And so then Will is the only other guy that we've got to get going because he's got like all of the homebrew stuff. I he's, gave him my mash tun. He's got the equipment. Yeah. There's no reason why he's not brewing. So besides a, what is it? two-year-old so yeah well yeah that's why i quit yeah so, until he turned 15 and i got back yeah into now it. you're back into it uh, so i think the idea here is if you're brewing five gallons i'm brewing five gallons they brew what two, two and, and a half, half and two and a half yeah and they'll say will pops a five gallon out that's a lot of that's a neighborhood party now we're talking. That's we're, a that's neighborhood than, tap house. Yeah, we're having a neighborhood tap house that's out like, on the lake. Right on the lake. We've talked about this. When the yeah. lake freezes, we're going to have a, <laughs> a shelter in the lake. Shelter in the lake. Neighborhood tap house. Yeah, and we just sit by the bridge in our little tap house. You know what we need to do? What? We, we need to call it Summer Lake Troll Tap House and do it right under the bridge. Under the bridge? Yeah. You could do that. Right under the bridge. That's the name Troll. 
troll. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I well, so we really we really need to find John one. So I like he's the most legit out of all of them. Yeah, we can like, get that going with no problem. Right, Will's got a bunch of crap. He's just choosing not to brew. Yeah. And I think enough pressure and he'll jump on it. I right. think he's slightly intimidated with some of the stuff that he's got. He inherited a bunch of stuff from his stepfather or no his his wife's stepfather. Yeah. And then he inherited the big mash tun. And I don't think he's truly done a full grain. Maybe we just have to do it with him. Yeah, I think we need to do that. Yeah. Ease and then, him on through the process. And then Andrew, I think, is last here for us. Um Speaking of which, I had a fantastic go say thinking of Andrew Andrew at the Timbers game. Yeah. Um, there was a collaboration between Widmere and the Timbers Army, and okay. it was a hibiscus go say. Hibiscus go say. And it was fantastic. Uh, I'll bet uh, Tiffany would love that. She would have liked it. Debbie stuck her nose up. It was ruby red, hmm. but it was pretty good, I'm telling you. Interesting. Not so good when it was warm and it opened up. At yeah, the got to stay cold. But, um, yeah, that salty, sweet, and that little floral hibiscus flavor. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, I'm looking here, and I was looking at Oregon breweries based upon our last conversation. <laughs> yeah, about closing. closures. Yeah. yeah. And Seven Brides literally just announced that they're closing. Um, on October 24th, they announced that they are closing. And they are, they've been open since 2008. Uh, but they are down in Silverton, and they've been around, and they, again, are doing a distribution thing. And I think these guys are having a hell of a time that enter into these distribution contracts fighting for people to buy beer. So they have this huge investment to bottle their beers and and get enough that people will distribute it. And then they're fighting the Deschutes and... Oh, yeah. They're fighting the Titans, right. which you can't fight the Titan unless you've already got a huge following. Right. So I think... Um, and then you're trying to take shelf space in Fred Myers or these different places, yeah, and good luck. It, yeah. And I think we talked about this on, on a, right. like six months ago on a podcast. So it was another Southern Oregon brewery that was going out of business as well. Yeah, Southern Oregon Brewing. But Southern Oregon, they announced their closure last year. Right. And we looked at their stuff because we were looking at, like, hey, is there any way to buy their stuff and then bring it up here? <laughs> they had huge capacity stuff, though. <laughs> but that's just one of those things. I mean, like, Oregon breweries are just absolutely, I think, just oversaturated. Well, and I think their issue, too, is, is they had that same issue. Right. They tried to do a huge distribution outside of their local area. That's right. what killed them. Well, I'm smelling something here because as I Googled that, I see that, again, another one that we've interviewed that we actually enjoyed. We had a good time at Zwickle with these guys. Two Kills Brewing appears to have shut down. Which is crazy because these guys are an award-winning brewery. Yeah, they won a silver medal at Gabbath in 2016 and a gold at the World Beer Cup in 2014 for their Scottish Ale. Yeah. And we had their Scottish. It was fantastic. Their Scottish was very good. But if you remember what they were doing when we interviewed their uh, guy, he was bottling a bunch of their beers. Um, the other thing, in hindsight, yeah, no, they had a, a bunch of barrel-aged stuff, too, that were sitting around that we should like to see if they still have. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, these guys shutting down is huge. There's That's great breweries yeah. that are just shutting down because the market's saturated. Or they're signing distribution contracts and competing with big, big titans, big brewers yeah, for shelf the, space. With the titans that they can't compete with. Um, 
I, I think you and I have talked about this a couple of different times on on a couple of different podcasts that you, almost, at least in our opinion, if right. you want to have a successful small brewery, you have to do it locally. You have to get local buy-in to where all the locals just absolutely love your beer. Right. And then you start going towards distribution. Because if you don't have a local following, it's going to be almost impossible to break into that distribution chain. Yeah, these guys were in that industrial park over across from Walmart and Sherwood off of Twalton and Sherwood. Yeah. And they're not in a neighborhood. Like, I truly believe you've got to be in the neighborhood so you can draw people in for a lunch, for a dinner, and then sell your beer and push your beer that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's just not, especially in this day and age, right? Um, Oregon's known for its beer. People know they can get good beer anywhere they want to go. Yeah. And they know that, hey, I'm going to go chase Black Butte Porter at the Deschutes downtown. Or I'm going to go chase uh, Wanderlust over at Breakside or whatever it may be. But yeah. what's going to keep me coming back to the neighborhood brew pub or going to Two Kilts, which is an industrial park? Yeah, right? and I think, I think those guys have it the toughest. The ones that are brewing in industrial parks... They've got probably pretty decent rents, but the problem is, is they're not a destination. They're not a destination. Yeah, they're not a, a neighborhood. They're nothing else. So even if your beer is just absolutely phenomenal, you've, you've got to have such a huge cult following to keep that going. Or you've got to go, okay, this is going to be our main brewing facility, and we're going to get into neighborhoods somehow. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch because when we were at Bigfoot, they talked about they moved their brewing operation to, uh, like, the Pearl District. Or, Correct. Yeah. Their, their main brewing, but they kept the Bigfoot brewery, brewery small scale, right there in that, in what was it, Multnomah Village They area. did. So that could be the recipe. It could be, but I don't know. I think that... I mean, who knows? We'll have to see. It'll be interesting to see how this thing shakes out over several years. Yeah. But I'm still, this this right here is why I look at, should I have opened a brewery in 96, 97? <laughs> no. Nope. Should I... Um, open one now? Open one now? Nope. Absolutely not. No. Do I go get an LCC distribution license and sell my kegs to some of these growler places? Possibly. Probably, right? It's yeah. like 40 or 50 bucks or yeah. maybe slightly more. So, and then, and then, yeah, then we share one or keg. two or three kegs or right. once in a great while. Right. Do we sell to make ingredients? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But the bigger thing is uh, we're having a good time just brewing. We're having a good time messing around with recipes or cloning recipes and just seeing what we come up with. Right. So, I mean, there's just no pressure. And Two Kilts is amazing to me. Alameda is amazing to me that these great places beers. are shut down. Right. And it just blows my freaking mind that they can't stay open but they made the fatal mistake of chasing distribution possibly signing with a two, two kilts we don't know this this their their story right well they distrib they were distributed too I oh mean, were they yeah okay that it, that then yeah that that but that right did, there could be the recipe for disaster for small breweries but we've talked about this in prior podcasts that if you don't have a Black Butte Porter yeah. or a Widmere Hefeweizen that everybody in the world knows about, yeah. right? Yeah, And everybody's driving, like, Scottish Ale by Two Kilts is not something that everybody's drinking, no. right? 
But if you want everybody to drink it, you've got to make it available to everybody so that everybody drinks it. And then like, and really, this goes to Rogue, market the hell out of it so that everybody wants to drink the yeah. Scottish Ale. Yeah, it's but a it's, really good point. Scottish Ale's pretty funky, man. I mean, like, there's a certain taste group that wants to drink a Scottish Ale. Yeah. So, so they really needed to, like, come up and, like, we're in this hazy IPA, juicy IPA thing right now. But everybody's chasing that, right? So how do you distinguish yourself between those? Right. So I, I don't know. I think some of these guys are having a hard time separating themselves. The bee's knees from Stickman, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's their claim to fame at that point. Or I believe they had like the F-bomb or something like that was their other one. Yep. Um, but, well, and I think Stickman... It, if they don't go out of business in the near time soon, may have the exact recipe that you and I have talked about where they're doing small batches and they're doing a ton of different beers Right. where people come in and they go, well, so what's new? What, What do you got on tap now? Versus chasing the, you know, that one golden goblet beer. They're going in and saying, Hey, Stickman's got this new beer. It's it's this or hey, they just changed. They got a new beer. It's this. So there's all. It's like the new flavor of the month kind of thing with them, uh, and that could be a, a a decent recipe for success too. We don't know yet. Right. So and again to finish up, well, I'm at we had an article on this kind of this thing of all these breweries shutting down, and again their deal is, is they point to migration stormbreaker barrel great notion and they're like all of these play people instead of chasing distribution which they have distribution contracts where they have a bottle or two that they're selling um and even on that note we've talked about how liter bottle sales have decreased in some decreased, of the grocery stores yes <coughs> yeah we are not seeing the amount variety wise of beers in liter bottles yeah, not at all. or the 22-ounce bombers, everything's in six-packs now. But uh, They're 12-ounce bottle or can. Yeah, and so instead of these guys chasing that type of stuff, they are opening new locations to meet customers in person and making local watering holes is what this article says. Yeah. And that's the deal. I mean, that is absolutely the deal. And so you really have to be paying attention to the business side of things to notice the shift uh, it went to it went from hey we're gonna open this really cool place and make good beer to we want to sign distribution contracts because we're gonna make a shit ton of money pe- when people buy our beer to at some point it was like hey the market's saturated we, we need, need to be to in the neighborhood hey this is your local local neighborhood watering hole this right. is where you get great beer and you're not making not making millions of dollars selling your beer you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars but that's okay because you risk losing your entire company exactly so yeah i don't know interesting we'll have to pay attention to that and see what happens there um i don't know man what else you got anything nothing just waiting for snow oh yeah snow (laughs) so it'll come yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking it will. I mean, we're starting to see more rain. We're starting to see colder temperatures. You know what I have on my uh, skis right now? Wax. Nope. What? Well, I've got wax, but you know what else I have on them? Uh, no. Beer. <laughs> Abyss. Abyss beer. <laughs> From that damn sparge, so. They call that the snow dance. Well, you know what that is? That just seals them. Yeah, makes yeah. them, preserves them. 
preserves them, keeps them better. Keeps them going. Until the ants climb up there and yeah, eat Yeah, you're going to the... say, pro- problem is you're going to get off the lift, try and go, you're just going to stick. Stunk. Yeah, and great. Well, buddy, that's all I got. So uh, we'll close this bad boy out. We hope the Timbers win tomorrow against Vancouver. Definitely. And, uh, get a good seed. And we will be back next week with a new podcast, hopefully a couple interviews. I think we need to go visit some breweries that are before they shut down. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we'll come back and record. All right. So. All right. All right. Tim, Tim Beers. Beers.